Hurricanes, floods, wildfires, tornadoes. These natural disasters cause billions of dollars in damage in the United States each year and kill scores of people. But none of them are deadlier overall than another type of disaster, one far more silent, heat waves. Every year, hundreds of people in the American West die from scorching temperatures. But experts fear the number of dead are uncounted. And as the climate heats up, are only going to rise. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. Today, we focus on heat waves in California. Officially, the Golden State says 599 people died due to heat exposure from 2010 to 2019. But an LA Times investigation estimates the number is way higher, about 3,900 deaths. We'll talk to Tony Barboza and Anna M. Phillips. The two of them, along with Sean Green and Ruben Vives, spearheaded the LA Times investigation. When it gets hot, what do you do to cool down? Turn on the air conditioner if you're lucky, go into a pool if you're extremely lucky, or if you're like most of us, pull down the shades, put on loose clothing, get a glass of water, maybe a fan, and hope for the best. With the world's leaders addressing the devastating impacts of climate change this month at the United Nations Climate Change Conference, or also called COP26, the LA Times is looking at the ways humanity is affecting and being affected by the planet's escalating temperatures. It keeps getting hotter and more people are dying. According to our investigation, California doesn't really track all of those deaths. Joining me are two colleagues. Tony Barboza is our air quality reporter, while Anna M. Phillips covers environmental policy out of our Washington, D.C. Bureau. Tony, Anna, welcome to The Times. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. Tony, how did the team get into this subject? What what inspired them? So we all have different beats. But we kept coming across this issue of heat more and more in our reporting. And we felt that it really wasn't getting the intention that it deserved. A lot of people don't know this, but heat is deadlier than any other weather or climate-fueled hazard. It kills more people than hurricanes or more people than wildfires. And yet you don't really see that in the headlines. So that combined with the fact that we were seeing these really big heat events, um, especially in 2020, you, you may have missed it because of COVID, but August, September, we had higher temperatures in LA County than ever recorded. We saw weeks of really intense, humid heat, and we knew that was having health consequences, and we, we wanted to learn more about it. When we went to the state uh, after the 2020 heat waves and asked them for that initial data on how many people had probably died as, as a result of those two heat waves and they couldn't give us an answer, I think that really piqued our curiosity and made us want to look more into this because we realized that there was, there was a gap here that we could bring to light. Hot weather, of course, has always been a part of the American West, including in Southern California. But how much worse is it today in the historical record? Extreme heat is one of the most direct impacts of climate change, where we see in response to rising temperatures that are occurring across the globe, we see higher temperatures and especially intense um, heat waves that are growing longer, they're growing stronger and more intense. 
We also know that the inland parts of California are heating up faster than the coastal communities. So this is having a direct impact on places that were already extremely hot and are getting hotter now. And then in coastal communities, what you're seeing is large parts of the state where people never had air conditioners, didn't think they needed them, and all of a sudden aren't prepared either in their homes or physiologically prepared for the heat. Anna, how was this investigation conducted in terms of analysis, finding your victims? So what we did to calculate the difference between the state's numbers and what we estimated were the real death toll during this 10-year period is that the data and graphics journalist who was working with us, Sean Green, did just a tremendous amount of work on this. And what he looked at was something called an excess death calculation. And that is basically where you calculate how many people are dying on days that are extremely hot. For us, that was days that were in the 95th percentile for that particular region. Um, And then you compare that to the number of deaths that you would expect under normal circumstances. And when you take the difference between the actual death rate and the expected death rate, you're looking at the estimated number, the 3,900 of excess deaths over a 10-year period. That's a lot like how we've seen COVID death tolls estimated sometimes. Did that inspire you too? Yeah, that was definitely a source of interest and inspiration for us because by, let's say, mid to late 2020, you started seeing news organizations like the New York Times doing their own excess death calculations for COVID to illuminate the difference between what the authorities were reporting and what we were probably actually experiencing across the country. And so when we saw journalists doing that, not just public health officials, not just epidemiologists, we thought, well, this is something that we can take on ourselves. We'll have more after this break. Tony, I mentioned earlier the huge gap in official heat-related deaths logged in California over the past decade. And to repeat, official counts say 599 deaths are due to heat, but the Times investigation found almost 3,900. What explains that discrepancy? Right. So this is a big gap between what's officially recorded on death certificates and what we know from looking at a broader number of death records is actually occurring. What explains that is the fact that a lot of times heat is not killing people in the most obvious of ways. It's pushing people over the edge. It's people who might have conditions like heart disease. It's people who may be working outside or be in a hot trailer or a hot apartment They have other conditions that the heat is kind of the stressor that makes them finally succumb to one of those. So it's not going to say that on the death certificate. But we know from doing a statistical analysis that looking at days that were hotter, more people are dying. And when you add those up, you can really see the bigger picture. And Anna, I'm guessing this isn't just a California problem anymore. 2021 was also the year where the Pacific Northwest experienced record-breaking temperatures. Have states like Oregon and Washington kept track of their heat-related deaths? So Oregon and Washington seem to be doing a much better job than California is of tracking deaths somewhat in real time during a heat wave. You know, that heat wave got national attention. 
Seattle and Portland endured temperatures well above 100 through the past weekend and Monday. Further inland, Spokane, Washington hit 109 degrees Tuesday, its highest temperature ever. I'm Tim McGuire. Millions of Americans continue sweating through a dangerous heat wave. The National Weather Service warns that temperatures will feel as high as 115 degrees in some places as a miserable heat wave continues baking much of the nation. It says daily record highs will likely be smashed in the Northeast and the Pacific Northwest. And that's not all. Those in the Northeast all the way to the Mississippi Valley may see strong to severe storms. I'm Rita Foley. Within days of the temperature starting to go up and and break new records in the Pacific Northwest, you started to see news reports where they were publishing the um, preliminary death tolls. We don't do that in California. You know, uh, we don't have access to that information. And so, for instance, when we had two incredibly severe heat waves in the summer of 2020, Tony and I went to the state and said, "Um, can you tell us how many people died either as a result, uh, directly or indirectly from these heat waves. And the state couldn't tell us because they're just not keeping track. What was their excuse? As I recall, they said these are analyses that aren't routinely done. They directed us to some data requests we could make along the lines of what academic researchers would would ask for. Um, So there wasn't really much of an excuse other than it's not something we do. Which is interesting to me because... California lawmakers, policymakers, they proudly proclaim to the world that we're on it when it comes to climate change. We're trying to stop it as much as possible. And yet here's a very direct uh, consequence of climate change, these heat waves and heat related deaths. And somehow it's not something that they've thought in their mind that they want to do, Anna. It's a really interesting blind spot because there are a lot of ways uh, in which California is legitimately, absolutely a climate leader. But there hasn't been a real sense of urgency around this issue, and there hasn't been much funding to tackle it outside of kind of individual cities and towns that decide to make this, you know, a priority for themselves. But when you look nationally at places like Arizona, New York City, some parts of uh, British Columbia, they are way ahead of us in terms of tracking and responding to the threat. Tony, after you, Anna, and other colleagues at the LA Times figured out the numbers of people dying in California heat waves, you went out and found some of those families. So what we did was we used coroner's records to locate their loved ones. You know, these were people who were at risk from heat for a variety of reasons. People who were working outside, who were elderly, who maybe lived without air conditioning, or were vulnerable in different ways. And one common theme was the idea from family members just questioning what could we have done to prevent this from happening? It was something we heard over and over again, the feeling of guilt that this didn't have to be this way. If maybe everyone had taken the heat as a more serious danger than than we all do, maybe uh, my father or my sister would still be alive. One of the cases that you highlighted was 73-year-old Jorge Valerio Santiago. He was an elderly gentleman who was uh, living and working out in uh, near Desert Hot Springs, which is not far from Palm Springs. And he had a few of these risk factors in that he worked outdoors. He also lived in a trailer that lacked air conditioning. And one day he was discovered by a relative in 
in the dirt in front of his trailer. He was counted as a heat-related death, and that's how we found him. Um, but you have to think that for every case, like Mr. Uh, Valerio Santiago, there's also folks that are not going counted, and that his family and our colleague Ruben Vives um, interviewed them, and this was still very raw to them. This had happened um, in 2020 during the August uh, heat wave that was so uh, persistent and affected a lot of Southern California. Anna, what are some of the other stories that stuck with you? Well, so one was that I interviewed the family of Anne Gakambi Methu, whose story really resonated with me because she was an elderly woman with early onset Alzheimer's who was living in an assisted living facility in Riverside County. And I think a lot of us have grandparents who have been in that circumstance. And uh, when you understand what happened to her, you sort of think differently about how vulnerable your own family members are. And what happened was that she uh, was basically allowed to kind of walk outside for several hours on a day when it was about 117, 118 degrees in Riverside. It was extremely hot. And it wasn't until late in the evening, I believe after dinner, that they did a head count at the facility and realized that she was missing. And by the time they found her, she was lying outside, uh, kind of in the enclosed courtyard space of this facility. And she had already died from from heat exposure. That was the official uh, diagnosis on her death certificate. And this is a woman who um, had immigrated to the U.S. from Kenya in the mid-90s. She had worked as a caretaker and a kind of home health aide. She had looked after people just like herself. And according to her children, she had been an incredibly caring and devoted person. And so I think for them, it was kind of doubly painful to find that their mother had died um, in a circumstance where people might not have been paying as much attention to her as she had paid to her patients. What conclusions were the two of you able to draw about who's dying in these heat waves? The populations we're seeing that are most affected are the elderly, people who with, with low incomes, people who live in uh, low-quality housing, um, people who lack air conditioning, and people who work in outdoors or even in indoor settings where uh, the temperatures can get really high. So basically, these are groups of people that don't have a lot of power to begin with. So that's one of the reasons that you kind of see like, well, is that a reason this isn't getting more attention? Because these deaths can feel invisible because they're affecting a population that um, is not as uh, obvious as as folks who are um, losing their lives in hurricanes, wildfires, other sorts of disasters. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is that the state data also shows us that Black Californians are especially vulnerable to this. And this is not necessarily showing in the data right now, but the other thing to keep in mind is that California's elderly population is growing as a segment of the population much faster than any other segment. So we are seeing rising temperatures and a major growth in the population that is most vulnerable to extreme heat. And I'll also add um, that though these populations we're talking about are definitely at higher risk, you shouldn't feel complacent. Through reviewing these hundreds of coroner's reports, we found people of all ages and all backgrounds that had succumbed to the heat. You know, people who were just, you know, in good shape out on a jog on a 90 degree day, that was too much. Working age adults who were just doing landscaping or working on pools and it was too much. 
So it's not a question of if you're in the clear, if you're not in one of these groups, it really is an environmental threat that, that is starting to touch everyone. Anna, have politicians and officials reacted yet? Yeah, so what we saw was that the L.A. City Council has introduced several motions to uh, kind of examine the city's approach to extreme heat, one of which would be improved record keeping and, and, you know, counting of these deaths. And then I think at the state level, we're beginning to hear uh, some signs that lawmakers are certainly reading our stories and are interested in acting on them. And we'll know in the coming weeks and months whether they plan to make good on that. And then finally, uh, to the both of you, what can people do to cool down the next time there is a big heat wave? Sure. Our colleague, uh, Madeline Amato, wrote a great story on this kind of how to protect yourself and your loved ones. There's so many things that you can do. One of the things that I was really interested to learn is that, you know, one of the scientists we interviewed talked about just even if you don't have air conditioning, your goal is to keep your body temperature down. Don't assume that just because you're inside your house, you're safe. If your house is 90 degrees inside, if it's 100 degrees inside, you're not okay just staying in there. So you need to do things like take cold showers, you know, frequently a few times during the day, if possible, during a heat wave. If it's too hot in your house, get out of there, go to a mall, you know, Um, get somewhere that's shaded and ventilated. You know, there's a lot of things that people don't necessarily think about, um, ways that you can kind of get out of the danger zone, so to speak, when temperatures get really high. I'd say the other thing to think about is a lot of people who don't uh, either don't have air conditioning or can't afford to run it continuously often rely on your basic floor fan. And there have been some situations where people have died uh, because they relied just on fans to keep them cool. And fans are not a substitute. Like Tony said, get yourself to a place that is cooler, whether that's a public library, a rec center, a shopping mall. If it's a dry heat, a fan might end up blowing hot air onto your already overheating body and could be worse than nothing at all. Tony, Anna, thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And to end, an update on some announcements out of the United Nations Climate Summit in Glasgow, Scotland this week. President Joe Biden vows the U.S. will seek to become a net zero emissions economy by no later than 2050. The United States comes in second right now in the world for greenhouse gas emissions. India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi pledged to reach net zero carbon emissions by 2070. The country is the world's third largest carbon emitter. And China's President Xi Jinping did not attend the summit. China is the world's biggest polluter of CO2. In a written statement, China's leader called on developed countries to, quote, provide support to help developing countries do better, end quote. The summit will run through November 12th, and you can follow more at letimes.com. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, The Times will talk about the Los Angeles Fire Department, why women there are looking for accountability, and why firefighters are acting a little bit weird nowadays. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, and Melissa Kaplan. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb, and our theme music is by Andrew Eapen. 
Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news and desmadre. Gracias.